Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 23 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast presented by Anchor. And we've got a fun show for you today. We're, we're from the beach today. If you're watching on YouTube, you get to see me broadcast from the beach. So uh, that's pretty fun. And uh, yeah, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel on YouTube. I'll put it in the episode description. Follow us on Anchor. Um, listen to us on Spotify and rate us and leave a good review on Apple Podcasts if you want me to keep coming out with these podcasts. Uh, it means a lot. Your support means a lot. But we've got a loaded show for you today. Super Bowl 55 is in the books and we recap everything, what it means for both teams, how the game went down. We even talk about some commercials, the halftime show, all things Super Bowl will be covered. We also got the other sports news you already know. MLB Trevor Bauer finally has his new team. Where is he going to be suiting up next season? March Madness is fastly approaching. It's already February. So March Madness will be here before we know it. And we also got some NBA talk as always. But first, this episode is brought to you by Anchor. We are going to hear an ad from them in the middle of this show. But all you need to know is Anchor is how we distribute our podcast. And you wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now if it wasn't for Anchor. But let's get right on into it. Super Bowl 55. Today is to Monday, February 8th, and man, Super Bowl 55 is in the books, and it was kind of a boring game. It was a really boring game. Uh, I always like exciting Super Bowls, I'm, I like especially because the Browns have never been in one, and I'm a big Browns fan. I always root for a good game, and when the, the game isn't good, it, I kind of like, you know, like, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I'm sure uh, the only people that liked last night's performance were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their fans because Tampa Bay absolutely <laughs> demolished the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9. to Wow. And I wasn't expecting that. I picked the Chiefs. You guys heard why I picked the Chiefs. And at the end of the day, I said it last week on that podcast, those two hurt missing tackles for the Chiefs were the difference in the game. That Buccaneers front four did whatever they wanted against that Chiefs offensive line. And Patrick Mahomes was running for his life the whole night. He ran for 497 yards last night trying to escape sacks. And I'm not going to blame the loss all on this guy, but he did not throw the ball well. I mean, but it wasn't his fault. There was one pass, I think it was either in the third or fourth quarter, he was literally sideways. He was like parallel to the ground, and he threw it like sideways, like a little sidearm pass like that, and it hit the dude in the face mask. He was parallel with the ground. And he threw it, and it still hit the dude in the face mask. He had a couple of insane throws like that throughout the night, but at the end of the day, he just couldn't do anything because he was facing relentless pressure throughout the night. And uh, at the end of the day, he was um, Patrick Mahomes' final stat line, 26 or 49, 270 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. We're going to talk about his legacy and what this game means for his legacy coming up. But um, other no- players are note for the Chiefs. They really didn't do a whole, whole lot on offense. They didn't score a touchdown. They had three field goals. They did not score a touchdown. Obviously, the first time in the Mahomes era, they did not score a touchdown. And the first time since Mahomes has been a Kansas City Chiefs that they lost by more than 10 points. A double-digit loss. That is unheard of. Travis Kelsey, look at Travis Kelsey's stat line. You think he had a good game. 10 receptions, 133 yards. He did have a good game. But for the most part, the Buccaneers held him in check. Tyreek Hill, 7 receptions, 73 yards. You're saying that's a good game. Until you remember he had 210 yards against them the first time they met this season. This... Buccaneers defense was the reason they won the game and obviously I can't discount the performance of Tom Terrific Tom Brady he did what he was asked to do he's the greatest quarterback of all time he's the greatest football player of all time and he showed up on the big stage 21 to 29 yards 21 to 29 excuse me 201 yards three TDs two to his buddy Rob Gronkowski Rob Gronkowski the dude who's retired for a year 
He was, an, he was, you know, he was a pregame an, an analyst on Fox. He was on the Mass Singer on Fox. He comes back a year later, catches two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it. Not many guys could roll out of bed, pretty much, and catch two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. And Rob Gronkowski is one of those guys. And other players, Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, as I like to call him, he ran angry yesterday 16 carries 89 yards one touchdown he ran angry he was running dudes over and the everybody who scored for the Buccaneers last this is really interesting to me everyone who scored for the Buccaneers last night was not on their team last year Tom Brady not on their team obviously Rob Gronkowski we mentioned not on the team Lennon Fournette not on the team Antonio Brown not on the team that's so crazy to me and it kind of shows that if you can draft well on the offensive line and the defensive line and grab good players at those positions. It might not be the trending popular thing to do on draft day, but if you can do that and then build around that, you can win a Super Bowl. And that's exactly what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did last night. And it was a boring game, but it was a total domination. If you're a fan of defense, you loved what the Buccaneers did. I picked the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs were going to win because I thought Patrick Mahomes could be Superman and the Chiefs could win. And to the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes was Superman, and it wasn't enough because his receivers didn't help him. They weren't making plays, and that offensive line could not hold a block because the Bucks' defense was so, so relentless. Uh, a, a little turning point in the game um, happened at the end of the second quarter, I believe. It was right after or right before Tom Brady threw the touchdown to Antonio Brown. Him and Teron Matthew were kind of engaging in some back-and-forth trash talk, and Tom Brady went up to Teron Matthew and said, I'm coming at you the rest of the game. And the, I think it was the very next play he threw that touchdown to Antonio Brown, who's being guessed, who's being guarded by, you guessed it, Teron Matthew, so the honey badger. So I, I, that's just uh, Buccaneers uh, quarterback Tom Brady doing what the greatest of all time does. All right, so before we get into like uh, legacy talk, goat talk, all the stuff that people like to talk about the Super Bowl, let's talk about other stuff besides the game real quick. You know, commercials, halftime show, all that good stuff. All right, let's start with the halftime show. The weekend, you know what? I think it was a it was a good show. It wasn't a great show and it wasn't a bad show. I feel like it was a good show. I feel like it was a good halftime show. I would watch it again. I like the weekend. I think he's got a good voice. Uh I, his songs are catchy. All of his songs are like number one on the no, top ten in the on the charts. Uh, I think I don't know if it was just me watching this performance. The sound quality was a little low. I felt like I had to turn up the TV just to hear what the guy was singing about, you know, and hear the 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 words. Uh, of course, the performance had some interesting dancing, some interesting staging. I thought it was, it was cool to look at, and uh, you know, I thought it was a good performance. And uh, the weekend, I think he's a good choice. I think. The Super Bowl has done a good job in the last like 10, 20 years halftime show, kind of blending the old old music, like um, um, old decades, like what old football fans would listen to. I don't know how else to word it, with like Bruce Springsteen and Prince and Bon Jovi and those guys to what younger generations listen to, kind of like Lady Gaga, the Katy Perry, the Justin Timberlake, and now The Weeknd. I think the NFL has done a great job of kind of balancing out who the halftime show is based off that. And so I think it was a good halftime show. I don't think it was a great halftime show, but I think The weekend did a good job. All right, so, and then the other thing, commercials. Dude, I'll tell you what. That Mountain Dew commercial, I told you guys about it in the podcast last week. I said how many, you had to count how many bottles were in this Mountain Dew commercial. 
I tried so hard to count these bottles. And you got three guesses on Twitter. And I think I guessed 277, 2021. You know, maybe they're doing the year. I don't know. And then 201. And I could tell you I was way off. That commercial was so insane. There were like small bottles everywhere. There were bottles on the wheels. There was bottles on a necklace. There was a bottle on a dog. Like. I couldn't count them all. I just figured I had like a three and like infinity chance of getting a million dollars. I might as well just take a shot. I tried to count them. It didn't work. But I, that Mountain Dew commercial was obviously the one I paid the most attention to. In terms of entertainment, I like the DoorDash commercial with Sesame Street and David Diggs, who obviously starred in Hamilton. I thought that was a fun one, like in the neighborhood, like talking about the neighborhood and DoorDash, you know, delivering to neighborhoods. I thought that one was good. I thought the one with, I think it was General Motors with Will Ferrell and uh, going to Norway to try to stop Norway from getting all the electric cars. I thought that one was pretty funny. Uh, Doritos, uh, 3D Doritos with uh, flat Matthew McConaughey was kind of funny too. I'm trying to think what other ones were like good. Bruce Springsteen, uh, had a, I thought it was a fine commercial. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's too political. I didn't think it was political. I think he just acknowledged that the uh, the country is divided and that it would be nice to reunite. And I thought that was a good message that the country needs right now. And I, I'm, I like Bruce Springsteen, so I'm a little biased maybe in that take. But I thought that was a good commercial. The other ones that were pretty good, um, <laughs> Tide had a funny one with Jason Alexander, who of course is George Costanza and Seinfeld. This kid had a Jason Alexander hoodie on and it was all about how he had to wash it. And then at the end, uh, he was wearing the hoodie. And uh, Jason Alexander pulls up in the car and he's like, you can't wear my face. <laughs> Give me my face back. I thought that was funny. Uber Eats had Wayne's World and uh, Cardi V in the commercial. I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of a kind of a weird pairing to me. And I, and Cheetos had a funny one where they were saying it wasn't me. They had uh, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher in it. That one was pretty good as well. Those are probably some of my favorite commercials. Obviously, there are a lot of good inspirational ones like um, Toyota, I believe, with... Uh, the Paralympic swimmer. That one's really inspirational and really good. So I, I think the commercials were good. I, th I think this round of commercials was better than like, I think last year. I think it was better than last year, which is surprising to me since a lot of, there's been a lot of like, uh, you know, places that said they weren't going to put out ads this year, you know, just to fund their money towards uh, COVID relief, which I think is a great, great thing that those places did. But I thought the commercials generally that were advertised this year were better. So those are kind of the things that uh, I noticed through, um, that were outside of the game. Oh, and then the best part of the game, the most entertaining part of the game was when the fan ran onto the field in the fourth quarter. Kevin Harlan, the legendary basketball and football announcer for TNT. He also does Westwood One on the radio for these big Super Bowl games. <laughs> he had a hilarious play-by-play -play call of the fan on the field. Go look it up if you want to listen to it. But it was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. But um, back to the game, I know you guys are a sports podcast. You guys probably come here to listen to sports, but I also like to talk about stuff that relates to sports, but not really, you know? So get, getting back to the game, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes and how this impacts his legacy. Then we'll talk about Tom Brady. We'll go with Mahomes first. I said it last week. Guys, I don't know if Patrick Mahomes can be the GOAT now. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes can make the ascension to greatest of all time anymore. I don't. Because he's lost to Tom Brady in the playoffs twice. He's 0-2 in the playoffs against Tom Brady. And he's undefeated against everybody else. And if Patrick Mahomes gets to seven Super Bowls, has a better Super Bowl record than Tom Brady, all my argument will be is, could he beat him head-to-head -head in the playoffs? And the answer to that question would be a resounding no. 
It would be a no. Mahomes is a great quarterback. He's only 24 years old. He signed a 10-year, $503 million deal with the Chiefs. He's going to be the face of the NFL for years and years to come. Do I think he can get six Super Bowl rings or seven Super Bowl rings? I think he has the talent to. Do I think it's realistic that he will? No. It's so hard to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. There's not been a back-to-back Super Bowl champion since 2003-2004 when Tom Brady did it. And I think the, the Chiefs, they're good enough to win. I just hit the mic there. Sorry <laughs> to you guys who are listening to this on uh, Anchor and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And wherever you get your podcasts, I, I accidentally hit the mic there. Hopefully you guys didn't notice it. But um, back to what I was saying, it's hard to win this league. And I think the Chiefs could win, in theory, Super Bowls. But look at the AFC. The Bills are an up-and-coming team. The Browns are an up-and-coming team. There's going to be teams that are getting better through the draft. The Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence, who a lot of people think is going to be the next great franchise quarterback. You look at the Chargers with Justin Herbert, rookie NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, there are so many teams on the rise in the AFC, and those teams are going to continue to get better, and it's up to the Chiefs to continue to get better as well. So that's what I'm, my opinion is on Mahomes. It's not going to hurt his legacy per se, but this kid has the talent to be the greatest quarterback and the greatest football player of all time. And in terms of that conversation, it 100% hurts his legacy. All right, let's talk about Tom Brady's legacy really quick. I think Tom Brady last night cemented his, um, his legacy as the greatest football player of all time. Seven Super Bowl rings, and now he's won one in a different conference with a different team. Tom Brady went to the lowest, the, the franchise in the NFL with the historic low winning percentage. The, the historically low winning percentage of all time belonged to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady went there and in one season won a Super Bowl with them. That's the greatest of all time. That's what they do. It reminds me a lot of what LeBron did. I'll say it. It reminds me a lot of, about, uh, a lot of what LeBron did. They said LeBron could only win in the East. He won't win in the West. He goes to the West to Los Angeles Lakers and wins a championship Two years later, Tom Brady, he's a system quarterback. He can't win without Belichick. Goes to the Buccaneers and wins a Super Bowl ring one year later. That's crazy. And go, this kind of reminds me, Tom Brady and Gronk arguably were the two best players offensively on the field last night. Is there anyone who's a bigger loser last night than Bill Belichick? I don't think so. I don't think so. He was watching that Super Bowl, watching those guys that he basically threw out the door, and... They still got it. They still can put up points. They still can go win football games. And they just won a championship last night. Now, another conversation that has kind of sparked with Tom Brady. A lot of sports talk shows are talking about today. And we're going to talk about it because we kind of are a sports talk show. Stay hydrated, folks, on YouTube. Stay hydrated. That's why I just took a drink. So stay hydrated. It's water, I promise. Stay hydrated. <laughs> anyway, um... Another conversation that a lot of these sports talk shows are talking about is, is Tom Brady the greatest athlete of all time? Is he the greatest athlete of all time? I can't go as far as to say that yet. I can't. Because if you're talking about athlete, greatest athlete of all time, you have to put into consideration not just team sports. So I'm not talking about just NHL, NBA, MLB, soccer. I'm ta not talking about just team sports. You got to bring in Serena Williams, who arguably is the most dominant player in her sport. You got to bring in Michael Phelps, who I think was is the most dominant swimmer in the history of swimming. You got to bring in, heck, you could even bring in Secretariat. 
the racehorse, the most dominant. Is he the most dominant, the greatest athlete of all time? He might be. I don't know. But it's such a hard conversation to have. I would not put Tom Brady as the greatest athlete of all time. In terms of pure dominance of one sport, I would put Tiger Woods above Tom Brady. I would put Serena Williams above Tom Brady. I would put Secretariat above Tom Brady. I would put Michael Phelps above Tom Brady. And I would even throw Michael Jordan and LeBron James above Tom Brady. And I might get a lot of hate for that, but I, I just, Michael Jordan is 6 0 in the NBA Finals. And LeBron James, you could say he's 4 6 in the NBA Finals. He went to eight in a row. Eight in a row. He's been to nine of the last 10 NBA Finals. Like, that's unheard of. Tom Brady, sure, he's been to 10 Super Bowls. He's won seven. He's undisputed the greatest football player of all time. But, you know, I don't know. I can't put him as the greatest athlete of all time yet. I just can't. And that's just my opinion. And uh, that's that's all I'm going to say. All right, we're going to get to a new segment right now before we kind of take a break and then talk other things besides the Super Bowl. So we're going to do a quick segment. It's called The Joke Goat. So we're obviously the Jack of All Trades podcast, and uh, the the acronym for Jack of All Trades is JOAT, and so I thought we could do the JOAT GOAT segment. So let's go ahead and get to our, who's our JOAT GOAT of the week. So let me get this virtual background up, up here. Here is our JOAT GOAT of the week. There he is. It's Coach Bruce Arians of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he is the GOAT of the week. Um, the dude was retired for a long time. I didn't think he was going to come back to coaching. And here he is on the biggest stage, wins the Super Bowl. I think he's the second oldest second oldest head coach to win a Super Bowl. No, he might be the oldest head coach to win a Super Bowl, the second oldest head coach to uh, you know start um, coaching a Super Bowl. That's one reason why he's the joke GOAT of the week. The other is because what a historic coaching staff he did it with. He showed the world that all three of your coordinators can be black, your assistant head coach can be black, and you can have two full-time women coaches, and you can be the best team in the world. He's a trailblazer, and leadership doesn't have a look. And I'm glad that Bruce Arians took charge of his Tampa Bay Buccaneers football team and hired people based on their football knowledge and based on their qualifications rather than factoring in any other things. And that is why Bruce Arians is our inaugural Jote Goat. All right. I think this is a good time to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, NFL honors. The uh, NFL honors ceremony was was on Saturday night. We're going to talk about the biggest winners, who got snubbed maybe. And then we're going to go into NBA, MLB, NCAA basketball, all that good stuff after we hear a word from our sponsors at Anchor. And welcome back to Season 2, Episode 23 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast presented by Anchor. Let's start with... NFL Honors. So the NFL Honors took place on Saturday night. I thought it was a pretty entertaining show. Steve Harvey, of course, was hosting. Uh, he went to Kent State, uh, and he's from our, he's from Cleveland, so I automatically automatically like the guy. But uh, I thought he did a great job hosting, and uh, I thought it was a pretty entertaining show, considering most of it was virtual. And I thought they did a good job of kind of you know making it fun for the viewer to watch. So let's talk about who won. And if I'll go, well, how about we go down the list? I'll tell you if I agree with it and if I don't agree with it, who I thought should have won. Pepsi Rookie of the Year was Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert. Now, I agree that Herbert should have been Offensive Rookie of the Year. He set the rookie record for touchdown passes that was previously held by Baker Mayfield. He led the Chargers to seven wins. He's got a bright future in front of him. 
I think Justin Jefferson, the Minnesota Vikings receiver, who broke the, the rookie receiving record and maybe the rookie touchdown record. I don't know about the rookie touchdown record, but I thought Justin Jefferson was equally deserving of the award. So I don't know. That's just me. But I, if I had to compare the two, I might give a slight edge to Justin Herbert just because he's a quarterback. And at the end of the day, that's how these award, award winners are picked. Normally, the quarterback gets the benefit of the doubt. But uh, I would I would I would like to see Justin Jefferson maybe get the award just because of the impact he had on his team as well. AP Defensive Player of the Year, Los Angeles Rams defensive lineman Aaron Donald, his third Defensive Player of the Year award. If now, I think T.J. Watt of the Pittsburgh Steelers was deserving, and I know there were a lot of Steelers fans and T.J. Watt who were saying T.J. Watt was robbed, and you know to an extent I agree with you, but. At the end of the day, it's it's the conversation. Is he the is it is the award for the defensive player of the year, and or is the award for the best defensive player? Because if the award's for the best defensive player, Aaron Donald should win that award every year. Because I think Aaron Donald is the best pure football player in football, best pure player in football. He is, and he's been it for I think the last five years. Um, I don't know. T.J. Watt led in more categories, but that's because Aaron Donald played in less. Aaron Donald played more more games actually. T.J. Watt led in less categories, led in more categories. Excuse me, he led in more categories than Aaron Donald. He had more forced fumbles, more sacks, I believe. But um, I, at the end of the day, I think the, the the NFL got it right because Aaron Donald, if you look at his game tape, he gets triple teamed on every play, and he still had great great stats. So let's compare their stats, and we'll go through this, and we'll see, you know, what the stats are. So. Um, it got it was a big conversation on Twitter. This was one of the ones that was very uh, um, contested. In any other year, Pittsburgh Steelers pass rusher T.J. Watt wins the award. He had a league-leading 15 sacks, two forced fumbles, seven deflected passes, 23 tackles for loss, and 41 hits on quarterbacks. He would be the defensive player of the year, and he sh- he he might he he should be maybe, but. Los Angeles Rams star Aaron Donald won the award after another incredible season. 27 members of the media voted for him over the 20 who voted for T.J. Watt. Watt took to Twitter to respond, as did his brother J.J., who was also a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. And let's start with T.J. He used the Michael Jordan meme from the last dance and said, and I took that personally. J.J. delivered a statistical argument while also praying Donald, also praising Donald, saying he's one of the greatest defensive players in the NFL, but... TJ Watt is the defensive player of the year. But then I tend see like I could see that, but like I agree with what Jalen Ramsey said, who is obviously Aaron Donald's teammate. He said, uh here's what's uh, let me find what uh Jalen Ramsey said because it was a back and forth, back and forth. Here's here's what J- Jalen Ramsey said. He said, uh so uh JJ Watt tweeted, TJ played le- one last game and still led the NFL in every major category. And he is that's correct. But Jalen Ramsey said, LOL, I know people are not really questioning if AD should have won Defensive Player of the Year. That's insane. It's some elite defensive players in the league for sure. And if 99 wasn't in the league, I would hear it. But he's really the greatest. Keep on, though. Y'all about to get your O-line hurt for real. And then they, the, and then it's the picture I was talking about where there's three guys guarding Aaron Donald. And there are two to four people trying to block him all the time. They're both deserving. There could have been arguments made for either player, so it's not it it's not it wasn't a landslide. It was seven votes. It was tight rapes between two two dominant defenders, and I expect them to be one A and one B next year as well. All right, let's go to 
AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. We already talked about Pepsi Rookie of the Year. AP Offensive Rookie of the Year was Justin Herbert, so I'm not going to talk about that one because it's kind of the same award. Offensive Player of the Year was Derrick Henry, the Tennessee Titans running back. You have to give... I love that. I love that. I love, love, love that because you have to give it to a guy who runs for 2,000 yards. That's only happened eight times in NFL history. You have to give it to the running back that ran for 2,000 yards. Good pick. AP Defensive Rookie of the Year. Chase Young. Good pick. Not arguing with that. Um, the comeback player of the year was Alex Smith. Near, nearly a majority. Uh, neither, not nearly a majority. Nearly unanimous vote for Alex Smith. He got 49 out of 50 votes. One person voted for Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm pretty sure his name was like Len Roethlisberger. I don't know. I heard that a sports writer named Len Roethlisberger might have wrote in Ben Roethlisberger for that award. I don't know. But whoever didn't vote for Alex Smith for that award, really? Really? Alex Smith had sepsis. His leg was black. Go look up Alex Smith 30 for 30 documentary. Watch that and tell me that him getting on the field this year wasn't enough to win a comeback player of the year because it absolutely was. The Pro Football Hall of Fame class, we'll dabble in this really quickly. Alan Faneca, Tom Flores, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Peyton Manning, Bill Nunn, Drew Pearson, Charles Woodson. Great Hall of Fame class. Those guys are worthy Hall of Famers, but Clay Matthews should be in the Hall of Fame. And I will take that too. I will keep that argument going as long as it takes, but Clay Matthews absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. AP Coach of the Year. Cleveland Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Let's hear it for Coach Stefanski. He won more games in his first year as a Browns head coach than half, than a dozen, 12. 12 other Browns coaches won their whole career. Kevin Stefanski led the Browns to the playoffs for the first time since 2002, and he becomes only the second Browns player to win the Coach of the Year. And only this, and I think it's the first major award that the Browns won since the 1989 when... Uh, Someone won defensive player of the year. The name is slipping my head. But congratulations to Coach Stefanski. Absolutely, he should have been Coach of the Year. And I will argue with anybody who wants to say someone else should have been. But Stefanski should be the Coach of the Year. And the Browns have a good coach. They finally hired the right coach, and it looks like they did. Um, Walter Payton, Man of the Year. Russell Wilson. Absolutely love this. Russell Wilson is one of the best people in all of football. He does so much for the community off the field, and I'm so glad he won this award. And the AP MVP was Aaron Rodgers. Of course, he should have won that pick. He should have. I mean, he should have been the MVP. He had MVP stats, and the MVP is a regular season award, not a postseason award, which is why Giannis Antetokounmpo has won the last two MVPs in the NBA. All right, that's a good segue. NFL to NBA. Let's go to NBA and talk about some storylines in the NBA, scores and standings. We'll start with the number one storyline is, um, let's talk about the Knicks acquiring Derrick Rose from the Pistons. So Derrick Rose has been dealt to the New York Knicks. He obviously played for the Knicks for a couple years there for Dennis Smith Jr. and a draft pick. Good move for the Knicks, I think. You know, they're still relatively in playoff contention. Derrick Rose can come off the bench and score for you and maybe even be a starter. I think that's a good pickup. And then and the um the Pistons, you know, you're tanking kind of. Uh, I hate to say it, you're tanking. And you got a good young player who in Dennis Smith Jr. He obviously hasn't panned out to what everybody thought he was going to be when he got drafted. But he's in the G League right now, and if he can develop, he can be a solid piece. Other NBA nude, Cleveland Cavaliers' Larry Nance Jr. missed four to six weeks with a fractured finger. He just had surgery, went on Twitter, said he's good. Thanks for all the well wishes and all that good stuff. As a Larry Nance Jr. fan, I wish him a full recovery. And let's talk about one of the other big storylines. Um, 
uh, it's it's a, 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 a performance that happened recently, and it was Nikola Jokic, who I think should be an MVP frontrunner. He had the first 50.10 rebound game for a center since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Anytime your name is mentioned with Kareem and you're the first to do it since Kareem, you should be in the MVP conversation. And Nikola Jokic definitely deserves to be. All right, in the NBA standings, it's starting to look a little bit more normal than what it did early in the season. Eastern Conference, you got 76ers 1, Bucks 2, Nets 3, Celtics 4, Pacers 5, Hawks 6, Hornets 7, Knicks 8. That's pretty normal. The top seven are normal, I would say. <laughs> Sorry, Knicks. You shouldn't be in the playoffs. And then you look, the Raptors have played better as of late. Uh, they're 9 at 10 and 13. The Cavs fell off a little bit. They're 10 and 14, and they're 10th. And then the Western Conference, the surprise in the Western Conference is still the Utah Jazz. They've won it so many games in a row. They're 19-5 right now. And then you look. They're followed by the Lakers, Clippers, Suns, Spurs, Nuggets, Trailblazers, and Warriors um, in the top eight. And they would make the playoffs. And then you look. The Kings and the Rockets, two teams um, that I didn't expect to make the playoffs this year, especially after the Rockets traded James Harden. They're 500, and they're right there with the Warriors for that eight seed. So that will be something interesting to watch down the stretch. But that's some of what's happening in the NBA. Let's go from the NBA to the MLB. As one of the highest profile free agents finally chose where he'll be suiting up next year. As Trevor Bauer, the 2020 National League Cy Young Award winner, has agreed to join the Los Angeles Dodgers. The California native announced his move in a YouTube video on Friday. They're in agreement on a three-year, $102 million deal that has opt-outs after years one and two. Bauer is set to make $40 million in 2021 and $45 million in 2022. Oh my god goodness you're paying him that much money i love Trevor Bauer. he played for the indians he was a great pitcher for the indians for a long time um he's not worth 40 million a year he, he but you know shout out to his agent rachel uh rachel luba i i forget who is it i need to look up her name i don't want to say it wrong R trevor bauer agent it's i know her first name's rachel um rachel yeah rachel rachel luba uh, she is his agent. So shout out to her for getting him a lot, a lot of money. But, um, you know, Trevor Bauer didn't handle this announcement the best way possible. Um, he has a notable online presence with fans. He appeared to tease his destination earlier Friday by offering a giveaway for a signed Dodgers hat on his website, though we also had several references to the New York Mets. Sources told ESPN's Jeff Passan that the Mets offered a higher overall value than the Dodgers, but that Los Angeles will make him the highest paid player in each of the next two seasons. So this season is, Bauer went on to say in the video, this season about making sure history remembers us as we wish to be remembered. This season is about adding to our legacy, and I can't wait, Dodgers fans. And this is the thing that makes me so mad. All right, these big market teams, I've been saying it since Lindor got traded. I've been saying it before then, even when Garrett Cole got signed last season. These big market teams are going to dominate the MLB for years and years to come. And the MLB needs a salary cap because Bauer is making $40 million for the 2021 season and it's higher than the projected 26-man payroll of the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Baltimore Orioles, and last but certainly not least, the Cleveland Indians. That is ridiculous. That should not be happening. One player should not be making more money than a whole franchise. I'm sorry. It should not be happening. It doesn't happen in any other sports league except for Major League Baseball. I don't get it. 
I don't get it. Congratulations to Trevor Bauer. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers. But he got overpaid, and he shouldn't make more money than other Major League franchises as a whole. That is absolutely bonkers. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, <laughs> excuse my uh, getting me getting excited there. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was it was something that we, you know, I had to mention when talking about Trevor Bauer signing this deal. Um, but you know, the Dodgers got better and uh, they catapult immediately to the top of the NL. I know I, I last week before Bauer got uh, got signed, I was like, you know, the Padres, the Mets, they're gonna the Cardinals after they got Arenado. I'm like, they're gonna be in for the NL. It's the Dodgers' race to lose now again because they got Trevor Bauer. They have Trevor Bauer and Clayton Kershaw. They have two aces. Like, not many teams have two aces. And they have Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger. They are so, so loaded. They are loaded. And they should be the World Series favorites again this season. All right. Let's go to NCAA College of Basketball rankings. We'll go men and women's. Who stands, who stands out to me? Who's the biggest mover in the poll? All right. Gonzaga and Baylor. I've been talking about them in March Madness all year long and in the NCAA all year long. These two are going to the Final Four. You guys are going to call me crazy. These two teams are going to go to the Final Four. They're going to. They are so good. Gonzaga's 18-0. Baylor's 17-0. These two, I want. they were scheduled to play a regular season game in October, and I wanted to see it so bad. But, of course, COVID had to come in and say, uh-uh-uh. And then you look at the 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 uh, the big um, conferences that are ranked in the, eight, um, the NCAA Division I men's basketball poll. You look at Michigan and Ohio State at 3-4. and four. That rivalry is good in basketball because Michigan can actually win some games in basketball. Michigan's 13-1. Ohio State's 15-4. And, and Ohio State has been ramping it up since uh, Big Ten play started. Then you look at the rest of the top 10. Villanova, 5. Illinois, 6. Texas Tech, 7. Houston, 8. Virginia, 9. Missouri, 10. My team to watch this week, my underrated team to watch, Loyola of Chicago. We all remember their Final Four run a couple years ago. They're 17-3. and three. They're sitting at number 22 in the poll. They can be a sleeper in March Madness. And the uh, March Madness, of course, will take place in Indiana on the men's side. And the women's side, they just announced it would take place in San Antonio. So the whole tournament will take place in San Antonio. So that's where those teams, the women's teams, are competing to go while the men's teams are fighting it out to go to Indiana. That'll be interesting to watch, too. Women's side, South Carolina's number one, they're 15-1. They're followed by UConn, who's number two at 13-1. Louisville's number three at 18-1. Then we got NC State at four at 12-2. Rounding out the top ten, Stanford five, Texas A&M six, Baylor seven, UCLA eight, Maryland nine, and Arizona ten. Uh, my team to watch in the women's, uh, I, I've, I've been watching a lot of women's basketball, obviously, because I am an announcer for Kent State. Dude, Kent State's a good team. The The MAC has a lot of good teams. And besides the MAC teams that I will not talk about, I'll talk about a team listed in the rankings. We'll go, you know who we're going to go with? A sleeper team in Women's March Madness. I, I'm going to go with, we're going to go with, let's see. Let's see. I got to pick one out that makes sense. You know what? We'll go with Indiana. They're 11-4. and four. They were previously ranked number 17. They've gotten some good Big Ten wins. I believe that they might have beaten Ohio State earlier this year, who obviously Ohio State's ranked 12th. They're a team to watch. I'd circle Indiana, and I think Indiana can make some noise. But uh, obviously South Carolina is above the field right now. 
because they have 29 first place votes and only one of their school got a first place vote. And same with the men's sides, Gonzaga and Baylor. We're going to end before we, uh, you know, say our separate ways, say our goodbyes for this episode with a really, really weird stat. All right. I need to find it just to make sure I'm reading off the right teams to you. But if you, if I went through that whole, that whole, um, that whole AP men's top 25 division one basketball, I would have told, I would have read the whole 25 list of schools and it wouldn't, the schools that wouldn't have been on there would have included Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, and UCLA before today. The last AP top 25 college basketball poll without Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, or UCLA was December 18th of 1961. For the first time in almost 60 years, all five are officially unranked at the same time. And if that doesn't tell you that the college basketball landscape is changing, I don't know what will. And that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Go follow our podcast on Instagram at Jote Sports Pod. That's at J-O-T Jote Sports Pod. Go subscribe to us on YouTube. I'll put the link to our YouTube channel in the episode description. Um, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. And thank you guys so much for listening to this in advance. Please stay safe, wash your hands, wear your mask, all that good stuff. And we'll catch you on the flip side.